Psalm 42, 43. As the deer pants after the water brooks, so pants my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while those around me continually asked, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to lead the multitude in procession with loud shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down on my soul and why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall again praise thee, my Savior and my God. My soul is cast down as I remember you in the land of joy, upon Mount Hermon and Mount Mizar. Deep calls unto deep. At the sound of your waterfalls, your billows and your waves have covered me. You send out your steadfast love by day and at night. Your song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Oh God, you are my rock. Why have you forgotten me? And why must I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Like a mortal wound, those around me continually taunt and ask, Where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall again praise thee, my Savior and my God. O God, defend my cause against an ungodly and unjust people. Defend me. O God, you are my refuge. Why have you cast me off and why must I go in mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me to your holy hill and to the place of your dwelling. Then will I go to the altar of God and I will joy. Why are you cast down on my soul and why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall again praise thee, my Savior and my God. In one of his earliest lectures on the Psalms, titled Christ in the Psalms, in a book titled my soul finds rest, reflections on the Psalms, Dietrich Bonhoeffer locates Christ in this Psalm, which I think is a combined Psalm of one, Psalm 42 and 43. Dr. Alan Ross, giving our biblical lectures, started yesterday dealing with the disturbing problem of unanswered prayer. And he said, and I paraphrase him, that God takes David in writing Psalm 42 and gives him the language of the crucifixion of the New Testament in this Old Testament book. I think that God has given this psalmist who writes this psalm in a combined way the language of the crucifixion of the New Testament 
see that he writes about the not yet as if it's the already. There is no book that's quoted in the New Testament more than the book of Psalms. In fact, Jesus quotes from it in that conversation following his walking and journeying with the two disciples, Cleopas and the unknown known and unnamed disciple in the 24th chapter of Luke. When he arrives in the city of Jerusalem after the disciples have had their eyes open, he says to them in verse 44 of Luke chapter 24, the things that were written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms, the writings, the three sections of the Hebrew Bible, must be fulfilled. I wonder if Jesus is not reflecting on his work in Psalm 42 and 43 as he talks to these disciples. Could it be that when Jesus leaves with these disciples after keeping the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, and the Bible says that they went out from the upper room and they sung a hymn at night and went into the Mount of Olives. I wonder if he's not reflecting on the fact that the psalmist has said in Psalm 42 verse 8, Oh, send out your steadfast love by day and at night your song is with me. I wonder if Jesus is not reflecting on this combined song in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prays in Matthew 26 and 38 and says, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. And in the psalm, these words are lifted up three times actually in Psalm 42, 5, 42, 11, and 43, 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? I wonder if Jesus is not reflecting on this combined psalm in Psalm 42 and 43. On the cross, that cry of dereliction, as he cries out in Mark 15, 34, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me as a derelict? There in Psalm 42, or 43, verse number 2, these words. He says, Oh God, you are my refuge. Why have you cast me off? Why have you rejected me? Why have you abandoned me? I hear Jesus. I see Jesus here participating, if you will, as if he is fulfilling what the psalmist has said several centuries ago. I see Jesus in this Psalm 42 and 43 as a lyrical soliloquist, one who chants and talks to himself. The psalmist is talking to himself. Psalms are written to be sung, chanting to himself. Listen to his self-conversation in Psalm 42, 5, 42, 11, and 43, 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? As if Jesus 
talks to himself once again in the garden of Gethsemane. My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. And in this combined song, God does not speak one time. It's as if the psalmist is participating as a lyrical soloist. He's singing to God. And listen to his song to God. And it's a mournful one. Psalm 42, verse number 9. Oh God, you are my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Does the divine get dementia? Does the sovereign one have a senior moment? Does the almighty have Alzheimer's? Why have you forgotten me? And why must I go in mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And once again in Psalm 43 and 2, he's talking to God as he's singing in the audience of one. And he's a lyrical soloist. Oh God, you are my refuge. Why have you cast me away? And yet we see Jesus in the same situation. It's as if he is singing the gods. And God says nothing on that Friday at all. The Almighty pushes the mute button and does not speak. The Almighty declares that I am pronouncing a moratorium on speech and says nothing on Friday. Ah, this psalm echoes in anticipation what Jesus will say during those hours that he will hang on the cross of Calvary. Here is a situation in which the sovereign one is silenced. I, I know, I know what C.S. Lewis reminds us of about God, that in pleasure God whispers, but in pain God shouts. And yet here, God says nothing. The face of God is lifted up in this song. In fact, you see it in the Hebrew text in 42.5, 42.11, and 43.5, uh, where he says, to conclude verse 5, verse 11, and verse 5 of Psalm 43, for the salvations of his, that is God's face, but in 42.11 is the salvation of my face. And Psalm 43 and 5 is the salvation of my face. It's like what D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great expositor of the Westminster Chapel of London, England, once said about this psalm in dealing with it in the book, Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Its Cures, where he says that is as if the psalmist has been in the face of God so long that it is no longer the salvations of his face. But he can say it in this way. It's the salvation of my face because my face has been illuminated and my face has been under the radiation of the redemptive presence of God so much so that what I have is a response of what I have received from him. And yet, the face of God is turned from his son at Calvary. I know the ironic benediction, 
What a benediction. Number 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And yet Habakkuk 1 and 3 says that God is so pure. His eyes are so pure that he can't behold evil. And it is as if God turns his face from his son at the cross because the son becomes a sin bearer. He who knew no sin became sin that we who are sinners might be made the righteousness of God. This psalm speaks to us. And yet God will answer uh, there is the absence of God and yet there is the presence of God in apparent absence because he's always present uh, why have you forgotten me uh, why have you cast me off why have you forsaken me that was the concern of the psalmist it's not the isness of God that the psalmist is concerned about it's the where isness of God it's not existence of God that the psalmist is concerned about. It is the non-involvement of God. The non-activity of God. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 42 and 3. My tears have been my food day and night while those around me ask, where is your God? Psalm 42 verse 10, like a mortal wound, those around me continually to taunt me with the question, where is your God? It's the where isness of God. And there Jesus on the cross in his cry to the Father and the Father does not speak at all is concerned about the question of the involvement of God. Why have you forsaken me? This was certainly the concern that Jesus knew would be on the heart of the disciples when he said to the disciples in John 14, don't let your heart be troubled. They were concerned about being orphaned. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as an orphan. I'll come to you. And yet on the cross, it seems like for the first time in all eternity that the Son is orphaned from the Father. There is something that happens there that no mind can understand in the forsakenness of Jesus because he had to tread the wine press alone, as Isaiah would say in Isaiah 63 and 3. What a magnificent moment for us. It is, if you will, a Polaroid snapshot, a Kodak moment of salvation history. Because in the incarnation, God came from God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And God became what he was not human and yet remained who he was God. 100% God, 100% man. God elected his son in the incarnation. In the garden of Gethsemane, God overcame God by submitting to God. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Let your will be done. And the cross and the crucifixion, God who had had elected God the Son, now rejects God the Son. The elected is rejected. My God, why have you forsaken me? It's as if God had wrung out 
himself to the point now that he could oppose himself because we were bearing the sin, he was bearing the sins of all of us so that the innocent dies and the guilty is set free. And there on the cross, why have you forsaken me? Christ is forsaken. But in the resurrection, God raised God. For Paul says in Romans 8 and 11, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. He left the splendor of heaven knowing his destiny was a lonely hill called Golgotha there to lay down his life for me. If that isn't love, then the ocean is dry. There's no stars in the sky and the sparrow can't fly. If that isn't love, then heaven's a myth. There's no feeling like this if that isn't love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.